the Gubby Gubby are the traditional custodians of the lands we record this podcast on. We pay our respects to Elders past, present and emerging, as they hold the memories, tradition and culture of this land. We extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander cultures. Hello, I'm Kate Fisher. Welcome to Milkshakes for Mali, the podcast that tells the stories of blood donors and their recipients. We thank donors and encourage people to donate blood, plasma, platelets and breast milk. If you have ever been a donor, you could be the one who saved, prolonged or improved the quality of life of the person that we profile here each week on the podcast. And becoming a donor in the future means that you too could become a part of this story. Off the back of the amazing episode that we released with Olympic champion and Australian swimming great Michael Klim last week, I've had so many questions about how to donate blood, what the different types of donations are that can be done, um, and how all of these different blood products are used. It's such a joy to see this curiosity spreading through mainstream discussions. And if you haven't listened to Klimi's episode, just scroll back one episode in your podcast feed. Both Marley and Michael Klim have an autoimmune disorder where their body is identifying parts of their body as foreign and attacking them. Marley is in her brain and Klimi in his limbs. They will both be dependent on intravenous immunoglobulin infusions. We all refer to these as IVIG and it's made from human plasma and it will be for the rest of their lives to help manage these incurable conditions. But we had so many questions about plasma and I've tried to answer some of them here. Australia is a world leader in plasma collection and has one of the strongest groups of voluntary plasma donors in the world. But even so, it's not enough. Today, plasma is a global precious health resource containing dozens of antibodies and proteins that cannot be replicated inside a lab. More than 50 serious medical conditions are now reliant on plasma as part of treatment. Plasma is literally yellow liquid gold. It is the yellow liquid that makes up about half of our blood. Its antibodies help people with faulty immune systems by passing on the body's armour to prevent diseases and infections. It has proteins that can help stop blood loss. It is used in complex heart surgeries and to treat brain disorders. Cancer patients often rely on plasma and plasma medicines during treatment, and it is even the source of anti-D immunoglobulin which prevents serious complications in pregnancy for women who have a negative blood type. For the questions I couldn't answer, I sought the help of today's guest, Rebecca Ind from Lifeblood Sunshine Coast. Beck joins me to share her story of being a blood donor and a blood product recipient and to address some of the broader questions about donated blood products and how they are used. I hope you enjoy my chat with Beck. Okay, today on the Milkshake Somali podcast, we have Rebecca Inns from Lifeblood joining us. Um, she is a blood donor and also a blood product recipient and one of our favourite people up here on the sunny coast. Very well loved by our daughter, Marley, and by me. Full declaration, she's a close personal friend as well, so it should be a fun episode. Welcome, Beck. Oh, thanks for having me, Kate. I'm super excited. Love the podcast. Big fan. 
Thank you. Well, you have been there right from the start of the beginning of the little seed of the idea that I had for this pod. And you were one of the first people that I spoke to about it when it felt like it was this ridiculous pie in the sky idea. Um, I had really seen the impact of telling Marley's story um, and getting lots of new blood donors in the chair and being able to thank the donors who have saved and preserved her life. Um, and I wanted to work out how I could do that. The week that this episode drops, it will actually be 12 months since we started this podcast. Um, and it's nearly 50 episodes that we have put out now. So it's a beautiful time to have you on the pod. Thank you. Oh, thanks. You should be so proud. It's um, brilliant. And Marley is just um, such a huge piece of my heart. She's really a special kid. Thank you. She's a pretty special kid. <laughs> um, now it's your job to educate the community on the importance of blood donation. That's, I guess, your role at Lifeblood. Can you tell me about how Marley first came across your radar? I first met Marley, I think you had popped into the Marichiro Donor Centre to donate. So yeah. um, some of the team there had mentioned meeting you and that you had a daughter who had needed blood products. Yeah. But I think when I got a chance to meet you guys in person was when we were celebrating um, Jeff's 800th donation. He yeah. is the most incredible donor. He drives a, like a three-hour round trip every fortnight to donate. Um, he And he does it so humbly. Um, and I thought it was just such a nice way to honour him, um, to meet Marley and share what so many of his donations have been doing for our yeah. community. Mm. yeah there's a special kind of magic when Marley can actually speak to her donors and say thank you for my plasma and as a mum being able to say you know what you're doing today is literally keeping my daughter alive like it's literally keeping our family together and pre-COVID that was something that we could do by actually accessing donor floors and going in and actually chatting to people um, hasn't been as possible with more COVID regulations and so I guess this podcast has become the new channel to do that. Definitely. Mm -hmm. um, I definitely miss the donors and that um, connection that we're able to make um, yeah. between recipients and donors, I think is um, it's one of my most favourite pieces about working with Lifeblood. Yeah. Speaking of blood donation, you recently celebrated a very big anniversary of your 200th donation. That's insane, Beck. Like there is definitely a little piece of Beck floating around in our Mali. And I think about that, you know, I'm so conscious of the fact that you have kept Mali alive. You have kept our family together and you have done that for hundreds and hundreds of families through what you do. What inspired you to become a blood donor to start with? Um, if I'm completely honest, it was uh, getting out of science class, which was Good. my least favorite um, topic when I was 16. The um, <laughs> mobile van used to come along to our school and um, yeah, anything to get out of science class, which I think is sometimes how a lot of young donors started back then. Um, yeah. Now the donation age, of course, is 18. So it's a little bit different. But um, I traveled overseas. And I when I was at university, they used to have the mobile van used to visit my university. And so I sort of got back into it that way mm -hmm. but um, I just then met the most amazing nurse and she encouraged me to come up and have a look at plasma donation mm -hmm. and when I used to um, when I started regularly becoming a plasma donor it was just finding my groove so mm -hmm. my groove was seven o'clock on a Friday morning before I started work and then heading into work and um, yeah it just became part of my 
normal everyday habits. Mm-hmm. Um, I've had to take breaks over the years, like everybody else, with different yeah. health things and um, having children. Yeah. But um, reaching those milestones, um, I get a real buzz. So mm-hmm. um, I have even little goal cards up in my office, so like little squares with each number. So as I cross it off, and I kind of like to choose a significant date that I want to reach it by, and then I just yeah. work back from it, kind of a bit mm-hmm. of a goal plan, I guess. <laughs> And 200 came around um, quicker than I thought, but wow. I think it's taken me at least 25 or more years to get there. Yeah, it's just, yeah, it's just such an incredible thing. And we're so grateful for that. Um, so what was it that drew you to plasma in particular? I guess we have lots of people that listen to the pod and people have asked us to talk about the different types of blood products that they can donate um, and which one they should choose and why each one of them is better. Can you tell us about the different blood products that you could donate as a new donor and what their broad uses are for each one? Yeah, absolutely. So depending on your location and and your local donor centre and what they have available, we do have obviously a regular blood donation, which we refer to as whole blood. Mm -hmm. There are plasma donations and also platelet donations. Mm -hmm. Um, The criteria is a little bit different for all of them. But when we think about people giving a bag of blood, it's not um, that we collect that bag of blood from a donor and it's then given to a patient. All blood is separated into red cells, plasma and platelets Mm -hmm. Um, and they all have different uses and different treatments which is why we say that each donation has the potential to save up to three lives um, because all of those different parts are going in different places. The what I like to say to donors to make it nice and simple is if you have the time and you're willing to become a plasma donor Mm -hmm. book an appointment to donate plasma. If for some reason Um, we would like you to give whole blood that day because we need your particular blood type for red cells Um, or perhaps um, there's a reason you don't have an an extra half an hour um, Mm -hmm. then do whole blood but I think if the team in the donor center will be able to direct you to the best appointment on the day Mm-hmm. So I think I always say to people, if you can book plasma, if it, if it um, we change it on the day, the preparation is still the same. So mm-hmm. whatever you're willing to give, um, we would certainly love to see more donors in our donor centre. Yeah, absolutely. There's nothing scarier for me as a mum with a child who's dependent on blood products than if I go in to donate, which I do quite regularly. And I'm one of few people in there and it just takes your breath away every single time if there isn't you know lots of people on a donor floor and you know there's been so many things in the last few years in Australia that have meant that people haven't been able to donate you know through COVID and you know small amount of time people have had off with vaccinations but also you know bushfires and floods and there's been so much that has happened in the last few years um, which is why it's so important to get new people in the donor chair. I think um, COVID has changed the way people uh, think about the things that they do in our community and the way that we spend our time. I think that also during different times throughout COVID with things like uh, lockdowns, uh, when there was a lot of information around vaccinations and requirements for where you could and couldn't be Mm -hmm. that it left a lot of things uh, or people interpreted things in their own way and I think this is probably 
something quite common across the board when it comes to blood donation. What many people don't, I think everybody thinks that blood donation is a great thing to do, but I think they also think that everybody else is doing it. Mm -hmm. And one of the greatest challenges for us is that we know at Lifeblood, one in every three Australians will need blood or a blood product at some point in their life. Um, I am an example of that personally, mm -hmm. but only one in every 30 Australians is regularly rolling up their sleeves to give. Um, and I think what I would like to say to people, be it COVID um, and vaccination being some of the reasons that perhaps you didn't come in to donate, or maybe you were told 20 years ago that you weren't eligible to give. Our rules are reviewed very regularly and we've mm -hmm. had quite a lot of really big changes. So for the two minutes that it takes to jump on our website and chat with someone or give our call centre a call, um, I'm meeting people every day who thought they couldn't give who actually can. So um, what I would say is if you can help us to fill some of those chairs, that would be amazing. amazing. Yeah, it would be amazing. So you just touched on then the fact that you yourself have been a blood product recipient. Can you tell me a little bit about that? Yeah, so I started donating at the age of 16. Um, I joined the team working with Lifeblood about 16 years ago. Uh, but 10 years ago, just before my daughter was, um, I became pregnant with my daughter, I actually had two miscarriages. Mm -hmm. And what I needed during that time was a product called Anti-D because mm -hmm. um, my husband has a positive blood group and I am a negative blood group. Yeah. Um, Anti-D is something that we make from plasma donations and it prevents um, hemolytic disease of the newborn. So mm -hmm. it's usually given to all pregnant mums with a negative blood group where the baby's father has a positive blood group. Um, that's to prevent your body from recognising it as uh, foreign uh, or mm -hmm. some kind of infection with your yeah. um, antigens. And then it um, enables you to obviously carry to term and have a healthy um, live baby. Um, mm -hmm. So I had needed it then um, during the miscarriages, but also when I was pregnant with Isla. So it's something yeah. they give it around 28 and I think 34, 32 or 34 weeks. Mm -hmm. And then after your baby's born, they'll find out your baby's blood type and um, they will give you another one if that baby has a positive blood type. So I've actually had five uh, doses of wow. yeah. yeah, because I am B negative and my beautiful girl is a B positive. So mm. a beautiful reminder. <laughs> Tell me about Isla, because this is another way that Australians probably when they do a blood donation don't necessarily think about the fact that they are helping to create families as well and keep families together and it sounds like without the anti-D you guys might not have become a family um, tell me about your beautiful girl uh, so Isla is 10 um, she is my only child and full of sass she <laughs> is um, I just uh, like to say to people I put all my energy into making um, this little miss, and she keeps me on my toes continuously. <laughs> uh, she is also passionate about telling people why blood donation is important. Um, but when I was I receiving those anti-D injections at the doctor's surgery, because you just get them, you know, the clinic nurse gives them to you, they're, they're very freely available. Yeah. Um, when the nurse was giving it to me, I was so excited to tell her about it because um, it's not just that we make it from plasma donations. We make it from the most incredibly amazing small group of donors whose bodies naturally produce anti-D. I think here yeah. in Queensland, 
it's less than 40 donors and yeah. I think we have uh, less than 200 in the entire country. Wow. So there is a little bit of, like you say with Molly, there's a little bit of these amazing donors in every baby that's been born yeah. to their incredible immune systems. Mm, that's yeah. amazing well I am so glad that you have got Isla in your world and that she's Me such too. an amazing blood donation advocate as well for <laughs> sure like she is mama. she's um <laughs> she's a champion and um she's going through her own health challenges at the moment with her platelet count and mm -hmm. um she has actually become such a great uh kid when it comes to doing a blood test and she walks yep. in there and says to them I know what to do. My mum works at Lifeblood. I've drunk all the water and I've eaten all Good the food girl. and I'm ready to go today. So, <laughs> and yeah. I would like a milkshake afterwards, please. And yeah, thank exactly. you. <laughs> you guys hit me up for those things. Yeah. For sure. um, so speaking of champions, as you said before, I am the champion of the milkshakes for Marley Lifeblood team. For someone that doesn't know about Lifeblood teams, can you explain to us what they are and how people can get involved yeah um lifeblood teams is a group donation program that we have at lifeblood so it's an opportunity for businesses organizations schools university families community mm -hmm. groups it's a great way to promote and encourage the people you know to become blood donors mm -hmm. um, i like it a little bit too if you were to share with gofundme and you keep telling people how many um how much donations you make for your kids school fun run or yeah. all those different kinds of fundraising things but instead of doing that we're able to track the number of um donations you're making and number of lives you're helping to save so mm -hmm. um it's a great fun program and it doesn't have to be um serious you can have um, fun with it too so you know it's a great way um if you work somewhere where it's nice to build some team spirit we have lots of businesses that do it in different ways yeah um but also um i, I could i don't have a lifeblood team for my family but um for example, we visited my brother in Gladstone for Christmas. Uh, Gladstone has a beautiful um, but very uh, small donor centre in yeah. Queensland. Um, so I bundled them all in the car and booked them appointments. And as part of our Christmas time together, we went and donated blood, yeah. um, which went really well. My dad did his 25th donation, um, which is a which is no small That's feat amazing. because he lives out near Longreach in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. Um, and then for a Good Friday as well. Um, there's nothing to do Good Friday. The shops aren't open. You're spending time with family and you're eating a lot. But there's mm. we made time um, with each other to go into the donor centre and um, donate yeah. during Good Friday as well. Mm. Because uh, and that's an important thing for people to remember as well is over, you know, with the Christmas period right around the corner is that the donor centres are quite often open on public holidays as well. And with people travelling and, you know, just the general hectic nature of Christmas quite often people might not be making their appointments at their regular donor centre. So it would be a beautiful thing to do if you're away on holidays at Christmas time or just to make it as one of those goodwill, lovely things that you do in the run-up to Christmas. Absolutely. Uh, so many people probably don't realise this, that Lifeblood's open every day of the year. In mm -hmm. fact, last year, a few of our donor centres, depending on their locations, were open Christmas Day right. because 
it's not an option for us to close donor centres and not mm-hmm. be collecting much needed blood and plasma products mm-hmm. um, across that time period. So um, a lot of our regulars like to come in on the public holidays because it's yeah. also really peaceful. <laughs> <Yeah. them. laughs> so, um, you know, if you want to escape the family for a little while and uh, just do some <laughs> sneaky Netflix, come in yeah. and um, donate plasma. Yeah, I have done that with girlfriends at times as well, you know, particularly when we had younger children and it was so difficult to go and have a coffee and actually have a whole conversation is that we would book a blood donation at the same time. And if you do plasma, you can get a seat next to each other if you get to know the people at the Lifeblood Centre as well as we did. And Mm -hmm. you could actually have a whole uninterrupted conversation, like a good hour where you could just sit down and chat to a girlfriend and then go and sit down and have a milkshake together afterwards and it was lovely absolutely snacks totally peaceful yeah (laughs) and we have great snacks too i mean we've got vegan gluten-free options there's you know sweets and and healthier options Mm. something for everybody there yeah but always a milkshake for marley i've got to pump the milkshakes always the way that we go strawberry for our girl she does love (laughs) it (laughs) she does love it our girl does love it um when you were mentioning before it you know being able to look at the lifeblood teams and it being a way to recognize the people that have donated and be able to reflect that back to them. Milkshakes for Mali really started um, out of us understanding the power of telling Mali's story and then how much that impacted on people. Um, she was, you know, in hospital three days out of every 10 at one stage, having plasma infusion, you know, through the intravenous immunoglobulin infusion, the IVIG was the only thing that was keeping her alive. Um, and we were sort of working in a two week cycle of not knowing if we would have her after the next two weeks. And there's only so many lasagnas that people can drop at your door. And it got to the point where our family and friends were like, you know, what can we do? And, you know, it was so much more important that we had enough plasma for Mali to continue having those infusions. So when we saw the power of that storytelling um, and sharing that with our family and friends, we created the Milkshakes for Mali Lifeblood team. Um, And in the 100-day lead-up to the first anniversary of her first acute diagnosis, the first time we nearly lost her, we tried to recruit 100 new donors in 100 days. Um, and it was insane. Like it became a truly national campaign. We had donors from every single state and territory in Australia. We recruited far more than our hundred and we've seen the little side teams now that have come off that. And, you know, we have a bunch of donors now in South Australia, never met these people, haven't got a clue how they know Marley's story, but they do. And it's a really special way for us to be able to show Marley that these people are donating for her. And, you know, we look at the little IVIG bottles and go, you know, there's a little bit of Beck in this bottle and she's done this to help you to feel, you know, well. Um, So, yeah, it's, I mean, it's fun and it's a nice way to put a positive spin on what can be an incredibly traumatic time for people. That is really just an incredible way to do it because I think as a donor, I have never really thought about it from that perspective mm-hmm. we give it we know that it helps people making the time to do it mm-hmm. but um i think the fact that there are potentially children like marley on the receiving end of it where it helps them to better understand or feel better i guess about the treatment yeah. that they're receiving because mm. i mean 
the let's be honest the needle side you know the pick lines and the ports and things are really um challenging times for these children absolutely but for them to equate that treatment to someone that they might know or mm. that is doing it for them I think is a really beautiful way to look mm. at it yeah and I think it made it a little bit less clinical and less medical for her too you know there's that's a little so bit of important. Beck's kindness in this bottle that's going to go into my body and to help me not be sick anymore. Like in her little brain, such an important thing to do. So um, one of our favorite things about doing, you know, the Milkshakes for Mali podcast and having a lifeblood team is getting photos. You know, people will just send us a selfie of doing a blood donation. And, you know, in our darkest hours at three o'clock in the morning when things are looking pretty scary, it mm-hmm. is such a nice way to feel that support from people who care about our family to know that they've made the time in their day to go and do that. And while, you know, that actual bit of blood probably never goes to Mali, it does go to another family to stop them from having the same day that we're having. And, you know, that's so important to us as well. Yeah, look, and I think that's the power of social media. I think that Mm -hmm. people think that if they take a photo of themselves in the donor centre doing their donation, that maybe it's bragging or but I think Mm -hmm. that rather than seeing it that way they should see it as this opportunity to inspire and encourage absolutely yeah yeah yeah. Mm -hmm. across Mm -hmm. the country we need a new blood donor to roll up their sleeves every four minutes here in Australia if you time four minutes and I mean Mm -hmm. I know through my role how challenging it can be to get new donors to donate for the first Mm -hmm. time Mm -hmm. all the encouragement and inspiration that we can give to them um, will come back tenfold I think yeah absolutely yeah take Um, photos and share away (laughs) please do even it's virtue signaling do whatever you need to do but please get in that chair and absolutely brag away you deserve it definitely please please Mm. do absolutely um look to close us out today I just want to thank you for wrapping our family in so much love and positivity and making this process of being for Marley in particular, being dependent on blood products. And she will be for the rest of her life. You know, she's in remission at the moment. She's not on a regular protocol, but we talk about, you know, when she relapses, not if, and as soon as those levels come down to a certain level, she's back on. Um, And she's living something pretty close to a normal childhood at the moment, which is amazing. But it's so important for us to know that there's that safety net of plasma there because when she does relapse, she needs such an incredible amount of it. Um, you organized a donor party for Mali earlier this year. Um, it was exciting because we had the biggest amount of donations in a day that we'd had since pre-COVID. So that made us feel pretty good that we were able to contribute in that way. But for Mali to feel and to be able to see her community wrap around her, go in, roll up their sleeves, be doing something similar to what she does. Because when she says people do a blood donation, she obviously thinks about having her port accessed and really normalising that for her. It's just been so important to help us find our sense of community here on the Sunshine Coast again as well. Um, When we left Canberra, we didn't know if we would continue this blood donation advocacy because there is lots of other people here that do amazing things like Team Adam. We didn't know if there was a spot here for us, but you have for everybody in this. Always. Absolutely. (laughs) I think done such a phenomenal job and really helped us to communicate the importance of blood donation and educate the people around us. Um, And we just love you. And we're so grateful for everything that you have done. So thank you. 
Um, it's my pleasure, actually, and I'm really grateful for you to have the strength and courage to share your story um, in the good times and the bad and to continue to put it out into the community in a way that connects with people and lets them up, shows them the very real people um, mm. who are part of it. I am super blessed to have worked with Brent and Lou from Team Adam um, yeah. and it, their story still gives me goosebumps and all the feels every time I see it. But um, I guess if I could leave people with um, some really important information, it's to give it a go. Um, even if you think it's not for you or to, to ask the questions, because often it's, it's in the asking of the questions that people are able to see um, and, and get some more knowledge and some more information for it. But at the moment, around um, half of the plasma that we um, collect here in Australia um, comes from only about 30,000 people and the demand for it here in Australia in particular is soaring and that's because plasma products are being prescribed much more um, to treat more conditions and because we're lucky enough in Australia to have a healthcare system that gives us access to them so in other mm -hmm. countries that's not the case um, but it does mean that when you're feeling healthy and well if you'd like to share your beautiful healthy um, immune system with someone else donating blood is a great way to do that yeah. and it's free yeah yes <laughs> it is amazing um so final question what message do you have for the blood donors that made it possible for you to have the NED and for you to have your family and have your beautiful Isla um, or anyone who's considering a donation in the future yeah I cannot tell you um I've seen I've had loved ones who need it much more even than myself but um when I had the opportunity to meet James Harrison, the man with the golden arm who has retired from blood donation now, but they contribute his anti-D to helping save the lives of more than 2 million Australian babies. Mm. I, it was like meeting someone famous. I, yeah. my heart and my soul, I just think donors are the most incredible people and I can't thank them enough for mm. my daughter, but for everybody else's children, for Marley, for, for Adam and the time that his parents got to spend because blood donors kept him well enough to be home and, and with his family a little bit longer. Mm -hmm. it, we, can't, we can't make it. There's no science to produce it any other way other than people mm. voluntarily giving it. Mm. And here in Australia, it's 100% volunteer. Yeah. So those beautiful people who do it all the time and make it part of their their routine are just incredible human beings. And mm. I think some of them don't think about it when they duck in after work to quickly do it before they head home. But yeah, um, for me, and I know for people like you and, and all of the guests you've had on your podcast, it's mm. incredible. And I just mm. think they're the most amazing human beings. And I'm so grateful. So, so yeah. grateful. Perfect. Thank you so much for joining us, Beck. And I usually say, you know, welcome to the Milkshakes for Mali community, but you have been part of it right from the start. So, I'm <laughs> I mean, I'm all for it. But um, I was going to say, um, if anybody's keen to have a party in their local donor centre now that restrictions have changed, we're all about celebrating. You can dress up and have fun, mm -hmm. party food, the whole thing. I think um, giving blood is something to be celebrated all the way. Yeah. Amazing. Thanks for joining us, Beck. Beck and I continued to chat after we stopped recording. And one of the main things that she said that has stuck with me so much 
is that if just 1% more of the population was able to make just two or three plasma donations every year, we would meet the current demand. Imagine if we could achieve this through this podcast and the Milkshakes for Mali Lifeblood team. I know we are headed into a crazy time of year, but all the more reason to get online and book your donation today. Nothing feels more Australian, like the modern demonstration of mateship, than donating blood or breast milk and this product being used to keep another Australian alive. Our daughter is still alive today because of this incredible selfless gift. And it is my privilege to create a space for others to tell their stories and to give thanks. This episode was written and hosted by me, Kate Fisher. Today's guest was Rebecca Ind with audio production and welcome to country by my husband and Marley's dad, Jeff. If today has inspired you to make a blood donation, we would love it if you could add your donation to the Milkshakes for Marley Lifeblood team. You can just request this when you book in for your donation by calling 13 14 95. Thank you for joining us for this episode. We would love it if you could give us a rating or leave a review on your preferred podcasting platform. This helps us to bump our podcast into other listeners' feeds. And that is one way, even if you aren't a blood donor, that you can support the Milkshakes for Mali community and blood donation advocacy. And as always, I'll leave the final word to Mali. Thank you for my prayers, Mark.